0: Would you like to live a healthier, happier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Vetter as he introduces you to cultures of health and healing. Get ready now to try out some healing beliefs and practices from far and wide. Here's the host of your show, Robert Vetter. Welcome back, everybody. I'm happy to be back again with Dr. Stanley Krippner, um, who last time told us a little bit about his life and his background. Today, we're gonna delve into the actual teachings that he was able to learn from the various teachers that he met and some very impressive teachers as at that. So Dr. Krippner, um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the teachings that you learned and? maybe some highlights of how those teachings touched you and your life as
1: well. Oh, I'd be happy to. In the first segment, we talked very briefly about Rolling Thunder, the Cherokee uh, medicine man, actually was intertribal medicine man because he um, had learned from so many, many tribal medicine men and medicine women about what he used. And I arranged for him to meet a osteopathic physician by the name of Irving Oil. And the two of them went off and had a conference and at that time Rolling Thunder really hadn't had much to do with physicians. And so this was sort of a experiment. He was a little bit suspicious. But after an hour meeting They came out arm in arm and laughing and joking. And Dr. Royal said, you know, Rolling Thunder and I figured out we do very much the same thing. Somebody gets sick and comes to me and I do some diagnostic tests and figure out how I can be of help. Then I write out a prescription. They go and get some medicine. And usually they get well. For Rolling Thunder, sick person comes to him and he, does um, his own type of diagnostic test. He might talk to the spirits, he might do some bodily scanning with his eyes, but he gets a picture of what's ailing and then he will prepare some herbs and give them some herbs and they usually get well. But we also figured out that the main thing that helps out is belief in their powers. If a person doesn't believe that they're gonna get well, they usually don't get well. So that's one of the things I learned and I would say that over the years this has become one of the four foundations that I have observed in how people respond to healing, whether it's psychotherapy or medical work or shamanic work or whatever. First of all, healing is facilitated if one believes that the treatment is going to help. This is what Rolling Thunder and Dr. Oil agreed upon. Second, healing will help if there is a good relationship between the healer and the person who is sick. And obviously, people who come to Rolling Thunder have a very, very good relationship with him, or he will not treat them. Same thing with Dr. Oil. Third would be The treatment itself, is the treatment itself powerful? And of course, Dr. Oil's medicines usually work. Rolling Thunder's herbs usually work. And again, uh, it might be placebo, it might be the ingredients, but there's something within the treatment and same thing with psychotherapy. Yes, if psychotherapy is good, solid psychotherapy, That usually works. And then the fourth element is the personality of the healer himself or herself. And the personality will vary from culture to culture, from profession to profession. But there is a healing type of personality that heals and a type of personality that doesn't work very well at all. Now, let me give you an example. Let us say that a person doesn't believe in Western medicine and is critically ill. And let's say that there's a teenager and the parents literally have to drag the teenager to a physician for help. The teenager does not like the physician, does not have a relationship with the physician, does not believe that the Treatment is going to work, but he takes the medicine, he gets well, that's the fourth principle. There must be something in the treatment itself that is healing. Now let's take another example. Somebody can be very, very gullible and they get sick and they go to a fake, absolute fraud, has no background in healing, no background in medicine, and they get some colored water that really is nothing but uh, some perfume and some spices. And so the treatment doesn't work, but they have a good relationship with the physician. The physician seems to have a healing personality and they believe that they're gonna get well. So they get well despite the fact that the medicine really is completely worthless. So you can see how these four elements play around with each other and it's like a dance, you never know which one of those elements is going to really uh, is going to help a particular person.
0: Were you ever present with Rolling Thunder during his doctoring sessions?
1: I was with him during a couple of doctoral sessions. yes, I missed out on the one that I've written about in the book uh Stephen Schwartz, who is a very noted historian, was there and he tells the story in our book. At Virginia Beach, which of course is the home of uh, the Edgar Casey Foundation, they brought Rolling Thunder in for a talk and a demonstration. And there was a woman who really wanted her teenage son to get treatment. He had been bedridden, he couldn't go to school. He was so sick. And so Rolling Thunder, again, did his diagnostic, and he agreed. And then he sent Stephen off to get some beefsteak. Why beefsteak? Well, he found out. The night of the demonstration, this young man was on a table and Rolling Thunder did a laying on of hands, and had the beefsteak on a table nearby. And as Rolling Thunder did his chanting and his prayer, the the beefsteak seemed to turn to ashes. And at the end of the healing session, nothing left from the beefsteak but ashes, even though no heat was applied. And the young man got up and was in school the next week. That was a pretty incredible demonstration, (laughs) one that I only have uh, Stephen Schwartz's description of, but many other people witnessed it also. However, I was with Rolling Thunder at his healing committee in Nevada, and I had just arrived by plane. He said, oh, you're just in time, you're gonna have to help me heal. This young Indian man who's an alcoholic and we've dried him out. He's been at our healing ranch for a couple of weeks. And we're going to have the big ceremonies tonight. And you're going to hypnotize him. And I said, Oh, well, fine. I'll have to do some testing to find out what tech. Type... Oh, no, Earl and said, We're ready right now. He's waiting. So here I was, never having met this young man. And I went over and started my guided imagery sessions, had him imagine drinking booze, and that this was poisoning him, and it was killing him. And I said, I want you to turn that booze into something, So in said, it's turning it into a monster. That Now this community that's sitting around is giving you a weapon to kill the monster. What are they giving you? A bow and arrow. Okay. Shoot the monster and that'll end your alcoholism. Well, that's what he did. And the 50 people who were around were giving a, a lot of moral support. Then Rolling Thunder came in, and he did his own medicine, and he said, I hope you all heard the owl hooting. Well, I didn't hear an owl, but everyone, oh yeah, we heard that owl hooting. Rolling said, well, an owl is bad luck, the symbol of death. This young man has one more chance to make it, but I think that he'll, he'll do it. And if he follows Dr. Krippner's self-hypnosis and visualizes the monster and the help from his community killing the monster, he will make it. Well, believe it or not, uh, they kept in touch with that young man when he left the ranch and for three years he hadn't had a drop of alcohol. So what Rolling Thunder did before I arrived and what he did once I was there and the homework assignment that they gave him really seemed to work. But remember that Rolling Thunder knew how to use the placebo effect To this day, I don't know if there was an owl hooting or not. I didn't hear the owl hooting. People said they heard the owl hooting, but uh, that was a good way to emphasize the seriousness of the matter, and Rolling Thunder pulled it off very well.
0: Would you say that Rolling Thunder was the most impressive healer that you met in the hundred or so uh, interviews and meetings that you had with various healers?
1: Well, actually, he's the one I spent the most time with, and it's very, very difficult for me to compare. With Maria Sabina, I only saw her twice, but she was legendary. The people that she has helped over her years as a native shaman in a current era, uh, filled the books with stories. And, of course, I've met many other healers who are legendary in terms of the work that they have done. So all I can say is no, I don't make comparisons. I would just say that Rolling Thunder certainly left a legacy. He's no longer with us, but the people he helped and the people he taught, yes, they linger on and they carry on his work. And as you were so nice to notice, his grandson, Sidney and Morningstar, and I have written two books about Rolling Thunder. And so we hope to carry that on in In our own way, and spread the word.
0: Can we talk a little bit more about Maria Sabina? A little bit more about uh, she's she's well known in the literature as being a healer. Um, She's well known for her personal story about uh, about having been uh, basically starving, and the mushrooms, these sacred mushrooms, saving her life. But can you talk about the meeting that you had with her about what it was like meeting her, what what she offered up to you in terms of words that describe the experience and maybe even what it meant to you personally.
1: Oh, good heavens. Yes, Maria Sabina is legendary. She came from a very, very poor family, and she would eat the mushrooms to simply survive. But the mushrooms also gave her visions, and so she was called upon to be a healer. And she was married so she could not become a shaman or sabía, as they say in Mexico, but she could become a curandera, an herbalist. And her husband mistreated her badly. And for better or worse, he died young. And then she married again. And this time the husband was very kind to her and encouraged her to practice her herbal healing. But unfortunately he died And then for the first time, she was able to come into her full power of being and become a Saman or a Sabia. And then she used the mushrooms to induce visions. And then she did her famous chanting and she would do the spontaneous poetry. And the poetry is so well-designed, women have done one woman shows, just reading the poetry, it's so colorful. And it's of course, uh, Gordon Lawson made a record of it, which I have, as do thousands of other people. And so she put on quite a show: the chanting, the mushrooms, which she would take along with her, her patient, and then she would give them advice. And this is something that she did for years and years. Now, once I actually met her, she was too old to take the mushroom again. So she referred me to one of her students, Dona Clotilda, and I was in an all-night mushroom ceremony with Dona Clotilda and some other people who were on the trip. And I learned a lot there because Dona Clotilda said, you know, we don't have enough mushrooms for all these people, so somebody's gonna have to send it out. And I said, look, I've taken the mushroom before, I'll be happy to send it out. She said, good, you can become my assistant. Well, I learned a lot becoming her assistant because the first thing she did was to give me candles and have me stick the candles on the rough floor. Her candles were sticking very well, mine were not. And I noticed that my candles had bumps in them and I had to pour wax on the floor and then stick the candle in. So she had given me the hard candles and she took the easy candles. <laughs> there you are, show business, placebo effect, enhancing her image. And I learned a lot, no wonder she affected her gringo assistant was very clumsy and she was very smooth and pulled it off very well.
0: So can you explain a little bit about uh, what the experience was like for you and what role the mushrooms have in the healing uh, experience?
1: Yes, I'll give you a very specific example. Dona Catilda sent me to help out Two members of our group were having problems. One was a former Miss Kentucky who had lost her beauty and she had nothing to sustain her, so her life was empty. Another one was a Mexican pianist who had stage fright, and they were telling me about what they had been learning through their mushroom visionary experience, and I was helping them interpret the symbols. And they were very, very happy Uh, with what I was telling them, and they were kissing me one on one cheek, one on the other cheek, but they were also vomiting, and so it was an ordeal, it was an ordeal. Here I was, trying to breathe through the vomit, and they were telling me that uh, the beauty queen had found her inner self, that this is something that was more important than her beauty, and that she needed to treat her inner self like a seed that was growing, and the pianist said, no, no longer would he be afraid. He was actually afraid of getting old, but he knew that this would actually make him a better pianist because he'd have to work and perform as much as he could before he lost his finger dexterity. So all of this knowledge came to them in the mushroom session, and I had to help interpret this for them and spell it out. And they were very, very well pleased. And then the people who I did not help out met with real kept the next morning. He spent several hours over each individual case and helping each individual interpret and put to use what they had learned when they were under the influence of the mushrooms and having all these visions.
0: Well, thank you, you so much.
1: So much. Yeah. Thank
0: you so much for sharing this part of your journey with us, Dr. Kripner. I'm hoping that our our listeners will tune back in the next time where we hear a little bit more about your more recent work. But before we close, I wanted to mention that uh, those of you listening might be interested in learning a little bit more about Rolling Thunder in two of Dr. Krippner's books. One is called The Voice of Rolling Thunder. The other is called The Shamanic Powers of Rolling Thunder. So thank you, Dr. Krippner. We'll see you on our next episode. Thank you. This has been Cultures of Health and Healing with Robert Fetter. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe and rate this show and share it with others. Until next time, remember, your health and healing matter, and you can find your own unique path to optimum wellness.